Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is episode 2163. It's a Wednesday. It's interview day. We're going to have John Moody on today, talking about modern homesteading and a new website called Stetter.com, where they do courses in all things homesteading. It's kind of a unique model. I think you guys will really enjoy it, and you'll enjoy some of the other topics that we talk about today. Before we get into that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is KnifeKits.com. You know, knife making seems like this really mysterious art. And on some levels, I guess that it is. When you're talking about forging your own knives and things like that. But it can be easy, especially at KnifeKits.com, where they have kits with many different patterns of knives. give you a starting point where you can go out and make that first knife. Maybe a great father-son or mother-daughter or mother-son or father-daughter project. Or a hobby that leads to maybe a side hustle. I don't know. And if you're already a master bladesmith, they have all of the raw materials you want as well. And they do a discount for members of the MSB. Find out more at KnifeKits.com. Next up today, Ready-Made Resources, the company that does what it says and says what it does. All the resources you need for your prepping, ready-made, ready to go at ReadyMadeResources.com. They've got it all. They've got solar, wind, 12-volt appliances, long-term food storage uh, products, stuff to do your own long-term storage food, guns to gardens, tactical to practical, and everything in between. You'll find it all where? You know. You know exactly where you'll find it. The company does what it says. It says what it does. ReadyMadeResources.com. Next up, <clears throat> and as you can hear, guys, today I have a, uh, a really rough voice going on with this uh, cough and, and uh, chest cold. So we're going to uh, jump right into it and uh, introduce our special guest. Again, his name is John Moody. Uh, John and his family farm and homestead on 35 acres in Kentucky. Uh, John discovered more than a decade ago that his diet was literally killing him with the noodle ulcers seasonal allergies, and other health programs. So the family began to transition to real local foods, local food distribution. Of course, that led to homesteading. He's had a lot of adventures. His latest one, again, is a website called Stetter.com. And with that, hey, John, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, friend. Hey, um, can you give us a little bit about your background? There was one episode you were on before. We were talking about uh, food, right, food sovereignty and production rights. Um, not really that, though, like just like, you know, kind of what's your professional background? You can kind of think us back like John's in high school trying to figure out what to do with his life and, and how do you end up where you're at now? Just kind of the personal connection thing with the audience. Oh, man. Well, had you, had you met me in high school and somebody came along and said, I'll bet you a million dollars that, you know, John will one day be kind of like a semi-hippie, preparedness, homesteading, organic farmer type guy. You would have gotten all your friends and family together to take that bet. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I am the least likely person you would ever find where I am today. It's just like, you know, it, it's beyond long shot in terms of statistical odds. You know, I grew up lower west side of Youngstown, Ohio in the 1980s. I spent my days playing video games and watching cartoons and consuming endless boxes of sugary cereal. Uh, I, I was just like total prototypical, you know, 1980s um, commercialized public school indoctrinated kid. Um, 
you know, like, I played a little bit of sports, I spent a little bit of time outdoors, only when, like, you know, my parents threw me outside, because I was, you know, just so hooked already at that young age on all that kind of crap um, that's became so dominant culturally. And so, you know, went to high school, went to college. After college, I started on master's work. And in the middle of my master's, um, I came down with a condition known as duodenal ulcers. So that the duodenum is this like little part of your digestive tract that connects your stomach to your intestines. And I was just like constant, incredible pain for about, you know, three, four months. Finally went into the doctor. They had me do, I think it was an upper GI. Comes back, he says, oh, you got like this big crater thing, you know, in your, in your digestive system. I'm like, what the heck? And, and, you know, part of my growing up in the 80s and stuff is, you know, like, even though I had terrible seasonal allergies, even though I had dental decay, um, you know, and all that other stuff. Um, like, I thought I was healthy. You know, because, you know, like, we've so kind of redefined what it means to be healthy in America that having constant low-grade illness and other other problems is, like, healthy. Um, you know, but now I'm, like, 22, 21 years old or whatever at the time I was doing my master's. And, um, you know, now I'm like, like duodenal ulcers, like huge crevices inside of my body. Like, what the heck is going on? And I happened to have a professor um, for one of my classes. And he, he had mentioned to me how him and his family had, about a year prior, totally rethought the way they did food. Um, both, you know, like who they were getting it from how they were preparing it, what they considered food. You know, they kind of went down that rabbit hole. And it had it had just totally revolutionized his family's health, he said. And, I, you know, that was in the back of my mind as I'm sitting there in the doctor's office because the only thing the doctor wants to do is put me on a lifetime of drugs. You know, he's like, oh, this is no big deal. We'll just put you on one drug. And if this doesn't work, we'll put you on this other drug. And I'm sitting here going like, this this isn't a viable option to be in your early 20s and spending your, the entire rest of your life on unknown medications with all sorts of side effects. Um, so my then fiancé and I called up this professor of mine, and he put us on the phone with his wife, and, and she gave us just a couple starting pointers – and we started down that rabbit hole, hole ourselves, you know, going from shopping at Kroger and Walmart and Sam's Club, shopping at, you know, Whole Paycheck and Wild Oats. Um, pretty soon after that, we hopped on a CSA. Um, we started buying raw milk, do, doing all of these wonderfully illicit and illegal things in our free society. <laughs> and, and, you know, the amazing thing was, um, in six months, I not only completely healed my duodenal ulcers, but I had seasonal allergies so bad all my life that Benadryl sent me free stock option offers because of my patronage. I, I mean, just like, you know, seasonal allergies, dental decay, just the whole nine yards, all this stuff that I had suffered from my entire life right up until we started making dietary changes – all of it went away. 
Um, you know, so now I live in the Ohio River Valley in Kentucky. We're always one of the top five worst places in the nation for seasonal allergies, and I have no allergies at all. Um, I haven't had a cavity now in like 15 years. Um, and, and so, it, it, you know, it was this, uh, you know, like, so, we, you know, I, like a lot of people, I had kind of that aha moment in life where something forced me to reevaluate things. But really quickly, I also got to see the incredible value of the changes um, we were making just practically in terms of our health from my my then, you know, at this point, she was still my fiance not too long after we got married. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of how I got into food and stuff. And not long after that, we started a food buying club. And not long after we started the food buying club, the Kentucky Department of Health raided us. Huh. Um, they served us cease and desist and quarantine orders. Because um, one of those wonderful anonymous complaints, um, and so that would have been—I think that was around 2013 or 2014 when that happened—and we were the first group in the nation at that time to be harassed by the government, kind of over the food choice issue: who's going to decide what you get to eat? And we were the first ones to win in a showdown with the government over that issue and, and walk away not being shut down um, or otherwise hindered or hampered. Um, and, and, and that was just like, that was just such a wake-up call to me. As someone who had always leaned, you know, limited government, a little bit libertarian in some ways, just to like, to like realize like, man, if the government thinks they can tell me what I can eat and who I can get food from, what what do they think they can't tell me? <laughs> you know, yeah. like 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 where does the line finally get drawn if it's not in like who I freely choose to get food from and what I put in my body? Is this a big part of what led you to start homesteading yourself? Well, you know, one of so when we started the buying club, you know, that would have been my daughter's about to turn twelve, so that would have been like two thousand seven or eight. Um, you know, at that time, especially here in Kentucky, there was a lot of items we wanted for the members of the buying club that I could got I couldn't get local farmers to to raise easily. Like you know, grass fed beef for the most part had yet to find its way to Kentucky. Um, you know, raising chickens on pasture on non genetically modified food. Um, that was like nobody was you know there was no such thing as non genetically modified animal feed in the state of Kentucky back then for the most part um, you, you know so farmers would look at me kind of like I was from a different planet and so I was just like well if I can't find farmers to do this then I'm just going to go do it myself I'm going to go buy land and start raising these things um, and and partly too like uh, you know growing up I'd grown up on the lower west side of Youngstown. But my dad was a big hunter and fisherman, so we spent tons of time, you know, hunting and fishing when he could drag me away from the from the video games. Um, and I wish I would have taken those opportunities more seriously as a kid. I'm trying to do trying to do better by my kids in that area by a long shot. Um, and so, uh, you know, so I had a lot of outdoor experience 
growing up, and we grew up right on the edge of a massive park system in northeast Ohio. And I really wanted my kids to have a very different childhood than I did. And so that was another big kind of part of the motivation to hopscotch out of the city um, and get ourselves on land and really to build a different life, both for us and then especially for our kids. So when you started doing that, what were some of the challenges you ran into on learning the homestead? I mean, there's a lot of information out there, but I mean, I know that when you, you get all these ideas and you get out on a piece of land and all of a sudden, I'm going to do this and that and this, and a lot of stuff doesn't work the way you think it's going to. <laughs> well, and you know, that's, that's a big part of it is like, you know, some of the information I was coming across, they made it sound generalized when it was actually specialized. You know, we're like, oh, you can just do this because I did it that way. Um, you know, it's kind of like the whole like, oh, you know, like all you got to do is bury your garden in wood chips and it'll be like the greatest thing ever. Um, and then, you know, every year now that I do consulting and other things, I get like tons of emails and phone calls from people who are like, I buried my garden in wood chips and now nothing grows. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's like, like, you know, it, this person is trying to generalize specialized information without actually understanding their situation, their scenario, their soil, you know, all these other factors that actually matter. And, and you know, you end up making really costly mistakes that way. Um, you, you know, I was, um, uh, you know, like people are like, oh, just raise mealworms for your chickens. Yeah. And they don't realize like a third of all people who raise mealworms end up becoming like hyper allergic to them. Really? Like super oh yeah, like like it's really well known that like mealworms, you know, raising them in your house is like a disaster waiting to happen. You know yeah, just go just go look at the research. Like they're a super allergenic insect to be around. And you go on YouTube, people are like, oh, just raise mealworms in your spare room. You know, like your whole family have You know, my thing with that is always like, well have you done this? Because we played with it, and it wasn't worth it. I mean, yeah. you either got to raise them on a massive scale, or like you can raise them for like if you have a gecko. <laughs> if you have like two geckos, fine. If you think you're going to feed a flock of hens a couple handfuls of mealworms a day, I mean, it's just not worth it. You're oh, better yeah. off buying a five pound bag for twenty bucks. Oh, five, yeah. five pounds is a lot of freaking mealworms, dude. Oh yeah. Oh man. Like, and then that's where my next project after I finish the book I'm finishing hopefully this week to get back to my editor is, is a bunch of my friends asked if I would do a book all about getting off of bought feed, all the different options for getting off of, you know, bought store-bought animal feed. And one of the first things I say in the book though, is like, you know, the reason it's so hard to get off of bought animal feed is when you realize the amount of calories and nutrients in a 50-pound bag of feed that you can buy for 20 bucks, man, that's some math that is really, really hard to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that kills me, too. Is, you know, like, that, that's other things that, you know, when you're saying kind of challenges, you know, you find these articles online, and somebody will be like, you know, oh, I raised Salatin-style chickens for only 87 cents you know, a chicken or, or a pound or whatever. 
And, and then I'll ask these people, you know, I'll go and look at their numbers and I'll be like, where's the cost of your labor in here? Like, how many hours did this take you to do this? Like, well, we don't count our labor. Like, what do you mean you don't count your labor? Like, your labor doesn't exist. You couldn't be doing other things with that time that are profitable. You know, like, like I don't care how great your idea is if you saved $10 by spending 100 hours. Yeah. And, and there's just so many people out there, you know, sharing those kind of ideas like, oh, we, we were able to do, you know, we built a – like I saw somebody, they floored their entire house out of pallet wood. And I was like, that's great, you know, like, but how much gas and time and money did you spend collecting all those pallets – denailing all those pallets, um, having to plane all those all that pallet wood. Like, like, are you sure you came out ahead at the end of the day? Uh, and so I found that to be a, just another big challenge where, like, people weren't always shooting straight with the true cost of the ideas that they were kicking out into the, you know, the stratosphere. Um, you know, because, th- th- you know, it was more just like, oh, let's have this neat idea. Let's not really look at the big hit picture and the actual costs involved, you know, because I just need more views for my channel or more clicks on my article, but, you know, rather than a really good balanced treatment at what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, my thing's always been when I find like a YouTuber or a blogger that's in this space, if I don't see at least, you know, 10% of their stuff like I totally screwed this up and it didn't work. I, I, I'm not really interested in what they have to say because yeah. no one does this without things breaking. And it's like when you're afraid to show what you did wrong, what breaks, what didn't go right, et cetera, then, you know, I, I don't trust what you're saying did work either. And I think a lot of these people are out there, especially when it comes to articles, they just write stuff like videos. I mean, you got to at least do something, right? Oh, yeah. But when you're writing an article, you can go grab some stock imagery and you can write an article and you can sound like, a, like you're an expert. You could be an idiot. You just don't know. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's where, yeah, like I love the part about, you know, people being honest about like things that have gone wrong, things that don't work, things you had wrong in the past and now you've learned. And, and really, you know, having that level of transparency and just being like, oh, like I tried X. I encouraged others to try X. And now I realize that was bad advice and my apologies. And this is why it was bad advice. This is what I've learned. <laughs> exactly. So, because I, I know that's what I've enjoyed about, you know, some of your guests and you is, you know, over time, you're not afraid to learn, to grow, and to say, I was previously wrong on an issue. You know, I got new information, and, and I want to update you now that I've learned, you know, something new and something valuable. So, you know, that's, uh, you know... I don't know how familiar you are with Harvey Ussery, who's a homesteader out of Virginia I'm friends with, um, but he's just great for that. We're hoping to do a course with him for Stetter. And, you know, years ago, he started encouraging people to do maggot buckets as a way to generate really easy, um, high-protein feed for chickens for basically free, you know, where, where you take a dead animal carcass cut it up, you throw it in a five-gallon bucket with a bunch of holes, and over the course of a week or so, just like, you know, thousands of maggots pour out of this bucket and just drop down right where your chickens are and stuff. Um, you know, so he 
he began to share about this idea. The idea has a, a fair bit of historical you know, antecedents. Um, it was a technique used in some fishing villages and stuff um, over in Europe in the past to, disp- to dispose of fish guts and other things they weren't going to use uh, until Harvey had a bunch of chickens die on him. Um, and he figured out that the chickens died because they got botulism huh. from the maggots because the maggots were feeding on an animal carcass um, that had botulism in it because the carcass had either sat too long or, you know, for whatever reason, the, the animal was carrying botulism. The botulism contaminated the maggots. The maggots killed off a bunch of his chickens. Um, mm. and, he, and he, like, immediately put out, you know, he corrected the article on his website with this new information. He immediately, you know, to his newsletter folks where he was just like, like, hey, like, I told you to do this. I just want to be clear, like, there's a real substantial risk to this that I did not realize and understand, and I want to make sure you know because I just lost, you know, half of my chickens. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So, like, another place that um, people get a lot of information in this space is, like, conferences and things like that. What are, what are your thoughts on those? So, you know, I speak at conferences, um, so I enjoy them to an extent, but especially as a speaker, like um, I'm always bummed that the conference format is generally geared towards like trying to sell people stuff and not a situation where I can really help them as much as I would like. You know, there's, there's just only so much you can do in 45 minutes with a static PowerPoint presentation to a room of three or 400 people, uh, you know, especially in terms of like real practical nitty gritty type stuff. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that, um, you know, I'd rather you show me than tell me, but I'd really love for you to show me while you're telling me uh, to really have that interactive element of really seeing what you're doing kind of unfold, um, you know, in that live and, and conferences for the most part just don't permit that kind of the kind of you know situation of showing and telling at the same time, um, and, and the fact that a lot of them have gotten so expensive. Um, you know, I was on a Facebook group probably about you know eight months ago, and they're saying how they went to this one major farming conference and for the two people to go between their travel and their hotel and the conference tickets they dropped over four digits of money you know like well over a thousand bucks you know, you know basically for a bunch of powerpoint presentations and and they were just you know saying like man like is this really worth it you know it's great to see people it's great to hang out with people it's great to get some encouragement but but you know can we get encouragement for less than one to two thousand dollars? <laughs> Absolutely, and I think the, I, I really understand what you're saying. I've presented at a lot of things like that, and you know, I just did a presentation on aquaponics at the Free State Project uh, Liberty Forum, uh-huh. and I had you know 50 minutes to present, including Q and A. And you're trying to Bad. teach a subject like aquaponics. So <laughs> the only thing you can do is do a generalized presentation that exposes people to the concepts. And opens the door for them to explore it further. You cannot teach 
truly how to do anything in that environment. You don't get enough time, and then people are there, and they're, you know, they, they stack presentations back to back to back to back. You're there for two days, three days, four days. You, it, it's really more, it's a great thing to do, but it's not going to result in you come home and now you're an awesome homesteader, like you went to college for it or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, you know, and that's, you know, like, I'm going to be speaking at the Mother Earth News Fair in Asheville. I think it's in May. It's like the second weekend in May. And I'll do probably two or three talks. And they're all going to be 50 minutes and you need time for questions. And it's just so true because, like, the best I can do is, like, try and give people an introduction to protect them from the stupidity of others online or bad information that's out there. You know, I can't really, um, you know, give them enough tools and enough content to really be successful with something in that short a time frame. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about like, the, now, you, go ahead. Oh, well, and one thing I do love, like I've seen like you and I know um, Nicole and others, like I, I love that conferences are starting to get smaller, it looks like, you know, doing these more ha hangout, hands-on, smaller regional events where presenters are given more time. It, it, you know, there's, there's less people and more time to show and tell. And, and I think that's going to be, you know, especially for people who um, are ready to move up from just the generalized information and really want to begin to learn the basics of a skill set from an experienced, trusted, you know, resource, man, those are going to be, be great. And I hope we see more and more of that instead of just kind of the big mega conferences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, we do them here and we'll have 40 students and with staff and I'll have 60 people on site. I, that's about all I can handle. Yeah. Like, so when you're doing these big conferences with, you know, 400 to 1,000 people, it's great to go present, but you know, being honest, what you're doing there as a presenter is saying, hey, look, here's some interesting things. By the way, uh, pay attention to me and check out my stuff. And that's yeah. not bad, but that's, the, that's honesty, right? That's what you're doing. You're, you're doing it for the exposure. You don't get paid, Jack, for doing these things, <laughs> you know, unless you're Joel Salton or something like that. You don't get paid nothing. Uh, or if you do, it's a, it's a small thing, or maybe they cover your expenses. So you're not doing it as a as a professional presenter. You're doing it as a professional who wants exposure. Yeah. Well, I wonder how many people, you know, because, like, people always ask me, like, oh, like, how do you get to be a speaker at conferences? And I'm always like, why do you want to be a speaker at conferences? Because I, th I think a lot of people view it as, like, you know, a, a moneymaker. <laughs> and. And that is part of the problem, though, is because speakers aren't compensated, you know, to make it worth your while to go to these conferences, you, you really, you know, almost have to play it close to the chest. Because if they don't buy your book, if they don't go to your site or something, you don't make anything for being gone three, four, five days, for spending days putting presentations and stuff together. Um, so, so, so it's, you know... That's the other reason I like these smaller ones is because they tend to compensate the people involved better um, and, and, you know, make for a better experience for everyone. I, I would agree with that. So what 
what are you? What have you just uh, launched as an alternative? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So you know, a couple years ago at one of the conferences, um, I, I became friends with a guy by the name of Dan Adams, and Dan used to have a platform called Earthineer, um, which was a really cool like learning platform for people who wanted to kind of go deeper, you know, homesteading wise and off grid wise and, you know, really kind of delving in more deeply into some of these different skill sets a lot of us are trying to learn. And him and I were both presenting and, you know, we're both, you know, having kind of this conversation we've had, you know, like, man, like, I really wish I had more time to teach. I really wish I could bring, bring into this format more of the stuff I want to show, the stuff I want to do to really make it come alive and also make it so that people could really understand apart from static flat photos and text on a screen. And so Dan um, came across another guy and and they're like, you know, like um, and, and this was, you know, like at this point there's um, Skillshare there's Treehouse for those wanting to learn coding and stuff. They're like, you know, like, like we need something like that for homesteading and, you know, off-gridding and sustainability and farming. You know, we need a, a video-based platform where you can bring down the cost of production because you have a whole lot of students. So you can make it really, really affordable, but you can bring in great instructors who have – you know, 10, 15, 20 years experience in, in what they're going to be teaching and what they're doing so that students know they're going to be getting top-notch material in a really high-quality format from a really great instructor at a really affordable price. And so that's kind of what, what our goal is with Stetter. Um, you know, so take the word homesteader. We were amazed because you know, they started thinking about what would be the website for this. And, you know, like finding a good website name these days that's under like 200 characters yeah. is crazy hard because you have all these people squatting on every single possible decent domain name, you know, wanting $10,000 for, you know, your mama isn't ugly anymore or something. <laughs> and, uh, and, and nobody had ever registered just stetter.com take home off homesteader and, and we're like stetter like it's great like it's simple it's very few characters and it kind of encapsulates you know who we are and who we want to be we want to be homesteaders um, you know people who grow and produce and learn and, and steward resources well um, and so so that's kind of how the idea came together is just our, our experience you know speaking at conferences and doing teaching coupled with seeing the direction learning and technology is going um, and you know, realizing we can provide a service to people to connect them with instructors and teachers without them having to spend so much money and so much time to make it happen. You know, we, can, we can bring it right to any mobile connected device that people have. Gotcha. And can you talk about like kind of the appeal that this would have to uh, instructors, presenters, subject matter experts? Yeah. So, you know, a, a big thing, you know, like one of the reasons when I started my buying club that I started it is, um, you know, when you go into a grocery store, when you go to a restaurant, 
um, farmers on average get 20 cents or less on the dollar of what you spent. So when we started the buying club, one of the few kind of rules we have for the buying club is 80 cents on the dollar of what our members spend goes the, to the producers. And we've been able to do that now for 13 straight years. Um, and so with, with Stetter, we wanted something very similar. So we have a shared revenue model um, where basically after the platform's expenses are met, if you're one of our instructors, we split with you kind of even Steven on the revenue the platform creates um, so that you have an incentive to make a great class to give people every little detail possible that makes sense to in a video format to kind of hold nothing back because the better your classes are, the more you're going to make as an instructor. Um, so there's no disincentive uh, and it's ongoing. You know, it's not like we're going to pay an instructor, oh, we'll give you $2,000 one time and then we're going to sit on your classes and mine as much money out of them for, for the rest of their useful life as we can. You know, it's an ongoing split with our instructors. We really see them as partners in the platform and, and partners in what we want to accomplish in, in changing how this education is done in the homesteading and farmsteading space. Got you. And uh, why did you want to launch – an alternative? What makes this different than other options? Because there are other things that kind of do this. Yeah, well, you know, like you can go on YouTube um, where it's free and you get shaky cam and terrible audio and you don't know if this person has been caring for goats for six months or 60 years. Um, you know, so that's one. I, I know looking around, there's a couple places that offer courses, um, but a lot of the courses are like so expensive. You know, like $400 for a plant propagation course, $1,000 for, you know, a market garden course. And, and I totally understand why those courses are priced the way they are. It's, you know, there, there's no, um, you know, no scaling and efficiency for, for them to produce those courses. You know, like each of them has, has to have their own video team who costs a ton of money. Each of them has to build out their own website, you know, so everybody's starting from scratch and, it, and it's really ramping up the cost, you know, and, it, and you're paying $400, $500 for one class. And so our goal with Stetter is we want to make it a subscription service and we think we can do it for $15 a month and you can take as many classes as you want any of the content on the platform at any time you know basically for a little bit more than than a netflix um and, and that's really one of the things that's motivating us is you know we we want to reach these you know economies of scale that make this kind of content affordable for basically any farmer or homesteader who wants to access it Gotcha. So what kind of feedback are you looking for from people in regard to a service like this? Um, well, you know, we, we have some first courses shot, and I think a few are, you know, the trailers are up on the website. Um, and, and what we're going to be doing here, I think in the next month or so, we're going to be offering um, a bunch of the classes a la carte 
uh, basically at a deep discount for some of our partners because um, we, we have some publishers who partnered with us. Um, we have some other groups and organizations who partnered with us. And so for, for our partners, basically if, if you're you know, somebody who subscribes to Backwoods Home or you know, you're somebody who listens to this show, we're going to let you grab classes for just like five bucks a class. Um, so any class you want, you'll be able to grab a class for like five dollars um, to both, you know, let us show other possible investors and supporters. There's a lot of interest in this kind of content, um, you know, because because the other thing that makes the way we've we've built the platform different is, um, you know, when you hop on YouTube, you know, somebody might have a thirty or forty minute video, and that, you know, like if you don't have 30 or 40 minutes and you have to remember to go back later and you have to keep track of where you are and, and, you know, the content may not be structured well. So a big thing of what we do um, with the classes we're making on the platform is they're all broken up into bite-sized, you know, three to like eight-minute videos so that, you know, you can be sitting, sitting at the dentist's office um, you can be trapped in between meetings. Um, you know, you can be waiting to pick up animals from the butcher, and you can take little sections of classes, and the platform will keep track of where you are. When you come back, it'll pick right up at the you know at the very next video. Um, so we're hoping that that the format will be a lot easier for people to learn to apply and to keep track of what they're doing and where they're going and what, what they want to get done. Um, so we're going to offer a bunch of the starter classes just for like five bucks, um, you know, to show others that, yeah, like there's interest in this kind of content at an affordable price point. And then also, you know, for people to give us feedback on how the classes are designed, on how we can improve, you know, before we really get into trying to produce, you know, 80 a hundred hours a year of, of this kind of content. So are you actively seeking instructors then, or are you pretty well taken care of on that for now? Well, we're, we're seeking instructors, um, but, you know, one of the big things Dan and I talked about was we're really picky with instructors. Um, because, again, like you said, you know, earlier, like, um, you know, we want people who can't just talk a good talk but who have been doing something long enough to have learned a lot of the hard lessons along the way. And, and, and you know, so, so, you know, we don't want people who have been keeping chickens for four years um, to think they can hop on and be an instructor. Um, you know, we, we really want to work with people who have a, have a great deal of experience so that students know, like, you know, I, I'm going to be getting information I can really trust. I, I'm not going to be killing my rabbits with bloat because this person's had rabbits for two years and really has no idea what they're talking about, <laughs> um, you know, or, or just all the other crazy things I've seen, um, you know, online. I, I've just seen so much bad information passed around. So we are looking for instructors, you know, so if you're a listener who – you know, you've been doing something for 10, 15 years and you really know what you're talking about, then, you know, drop us, a, you know, a contact on our website 
and, and we can follow up with you. The, you know, the other big thing, though, too, as instructors, um, one of the things we've learned is not everybody is good on video. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, like, and, you know, I've been speaking at conferences now for a decade, and part of my educational background um, was a ton of training to do public speaking. And when we shot, you know, my courses here at the farm, I was like, this is so – and, you know, and I've appeared on probably 100 podcasts and interviews at this point. And, man, we started shooting video, and, and it is so much harder than any other type of speaking I've ever done. Um, it's just like so much more difficult to do and to do well, um, you know, just a totally different world. And, and so, you know, partly with people who are interested in being instructors, um, we're going to, you know, basically prep you beforehand to make sure you can handle doing good quality video instruction because it, it's just a very different medium. Yeah, definitely. And I'll tell you what I've learned also from conferences. There's a lot of people that are really smart and really know what they're doing and forget video. They're terrible presenters. Yeah. <laughs> Where you just like, you're like, you look up this guy and you've read his blogs and you're like, and he's like the man at something. And you're like, I want to go see this. And you get in there and the guy's like, so today <laughs> we're going to be talking about, and you're like, why the hell did I sit in the center where everybody's going to see me get up and leave? No, I'm serious. Like, you can't, I, you have to have to be a, and I guess, you know, you don't because we have plenty of people in government schools that are teachers that are that bad and worse. But, <laughs> but if you want to be an effective teacher, you have to be a compelling presenter. You have to have a solid knowledge base. And you have to have a certain level of personality. If you don't have that, it just doesn't work. And students do not stay engaged. And therefore, they don't learn. It becomes something that they get through, which is... To me, not really what you're looking for. I want, when I put out information, I want at least some percentage of people to go, I'm going to go back and look at that again, or I'm going to go back and listen to that again. And if you're not getting that, then either you're the most effective communicator ever, and they've gotten <laughs> every single thing you had, and they've digested it, and they retain it, or you suck. And I mean, I know that sounds harsh, but different people have different talents. And some people are just not talented presenters. Don't mean to beat anybody up, but like to me, like some of these, we were talking about the conferences earlier. If I put a conference on and you say you want to be a speaker there, I'm going to say, okay, send me five minutes of you presenting. Because if I don't see dynamic presentation, if I don't see engagement, if I don't see things that wake people up, I'm not charging money for people to come listen to you. Oh, yeah. So, well, you do this, this, there's a memory I have from college, you know, so college for me is like a world ago. We're talking, you know, 20 some, 22 years roughly. And I remember vividly sitting in like a, a, you know, you have to go to this orientation week before college or whatever. And man, like I remember this one guy presenting and the entire room of us just fell asleep while he was presenting. It was just so painful. You know, like just it was it, it, you're just sitting there going, why did they bring this person into the room? Um, you know, because like unless they were wanting a nap time, you know, worked into the program and just figured this was the easiest way to ensure everyone fell asleep. 
Um, yeah, so there's just so many. Well, I got a good so, one for you. I was at a conference, and I sat right in the freaking front center <laughs> with my wife, who also wanted to hear this guy. It was terrible. She's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't just walk out, so do this. Go to the bathroom, wait about five minutes, come back and tap me on a soldier like something happened, and then I can leave without it being like I'm being a dick. <laughs> like 15 minutes go, but I'm sitting there listening to this guy drone on. Finally, I text her. I'm like, you abandoned me. And she says, I'm sorry. He was so boring. I was afraid I'd get stuck if I came back. So, I mean, oh, that's not what you're looking for, right? Oh, man. Well, and, and you know, like for a few people, cause, you know, because there's a few people out there, like you said, who they are so tremendous at what they're doing. And, and once we kind of reach a point where we have enough students with some of those people who aren't going to be great to do their own classes – um, our thought was to like send me with the video team. I'll structure the class and get everything ready, and then I'll basically like interview this person um, in a format that will allow the depth and richness of what they do to come through, and, and you know, kind of avoid where they're weak. You know, where you know they're not good at structuring content. Um, they're, they're, they need kind of that kind of prodding and help. So we hope to eventually be able to capture some of those people um, who, who just really are not on their own dynamic presenters, but, but they have such great content and you really can't find it anywhere else. You know, another thing we're doing with the platform, just so I don't forget to mention it, um, is when we do a class with somebody, we also do an interview with them like a 30, 35-minute interview um, so that a lot of these instructors, you can really hear kind of like, you know, we did a short one with me, like how did you get where you are? You know, where did you come from? What kind of things have you learned? What things are important to you? And then the other thing that I really love that we're doing is we're doing tours of their homesteads and their operations. Um, so, you know, like um, I became friends with Thomas Massey, who's a congressman a few years ago, and he was joking with me how, like, you know, every couple weeks he goes on Google Maps and he, like, you know, spies on Joel Salatin and a bunch of other major farmers to see what they're up to, you know, because, like, you know, to, to see, oh, this is the infrastructure they're building and this, you know. So um, we do these tours with instructors on their homesteads so you can see how they handle heat, how they handle energy, how they handle water, how they handle design, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff that is always so interesting to me. Why did you make some of these decisions you've made? Um, you know, how do you handle these different things that really in some ways are just as important as the main kind of topic they teach? Absolutely. I, I think that's really awesome, man. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about the courses you do have available and what's coming? Yeah. So we did um, – I did a soil class kind of based on the soil talk I've been giving at conferences for a number of years. It's just you know, a good introduction to how to rapidly build soil because you know, we didn't get to talk about this earlier. Like when we bought our farm, um, I didn't know anything about land and farming. Um, I just knew we had X dollars in the bank, and we could be no more than X miles from Louisville. And this property is what came up and met those criteria eventually, so it's what we bought. 
And, um, you know, I, I came to discover that, you know, we basically had rock-hard clay soil with just about 0% organic matter. <laughs> you know, like, um, the, the only thing our farm grows is rocks is the joke. Uh, because we have all these sinkholes that develop over time because of the, the geology underneath the soil. Um, and so, you know, now the, I, I did some soil testing recently, and we're running 12 to 15% or higher organic matter um, in our main growing spaces across the farm. Um, just it, it's it's incredible the productivity we're getting um, in terms of like, but we, you know, we were forced to learn to to build soil from scratch, and so we have that class, and then um, we have a worm composting class. We have um, Tim Hensley, who's a super well-known uh, mushroom farmer. He did a mushroom growing class for us, um, just kind of an introduction to growing mushrooms on logs, a couple different species, and also. Um, some function stacking, growing mushrooms underneath berries and underneath other perennials. Um, Meredith Lee did a um, home sausage making class that, that from what I've been told, I haven't had a chance to see it yet, uh, but the people who saw it just said it's phenomenal. And we're hoping that she's also going to do a home lunch meat making class for us in the not too distant future. Um, and then we also have a, a class on seed saving. Um, that I think is part of the original set. And uh, I thought I saw, I don't think you mentioned it there, uh, you got Jerry, Jeremy Zimmerman doing a mead course too, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Jeremy's going to do his mead course. Um, yeah, he's, man, he, he's such a great guy. So just so so very knowledgeable and skilled for those who are like just into brewing and stuff like that. He's just a wealth of information, and he's going to do a mead course um, I don't know if we've shot that one yet or not. If not, it's probably one of the next ones up on the docket. Um, and he's done a few others. You know, and one of the other things we're producing with the platform, um, you know, we're doing these little homestead hacks that are just kind of really short 60, 90-second snippets um, of different ideas. So if you go to our Facebook page, um, you know, like I started doing solarization um, as a method of weed control. And just did a little short, you know, two-minute video on how to solarize um, in terms of improving soil health, dealing with pests, dealing with weeds. Um, and we're going to have, you know, tons of those that we're releasing for free, um, just kind of, you know, simple ideas that might really interest people um, and to show them, you know, different stuff you can try out on your place. And then we're also going to have some shorter classes as well, like Dan – um, did a short class that's going to be a free class that's all about making storm traps, or not storm, swarm traps um, for bees, for capturing, you know, bee colonies um, during swarming season. You know, so if you're somebody who's ever wanted to figure out how you can, you know, capture, you know, capture bee swarms and then relocate them into hives, um, we're going to have some great shorter classes like that as well that are going to be available for free. Awesome. And so, like, how's the process work at Stetter? Like, someone shows up, you know, what do they do? They have to register to be able to buy courses or, or what have you? And, you know, what's the cost of things right now? How's that all work out? 
Yeah, so so again, for right now, um, you go and you register on the website, and that just puts you on our email list so that when we release courses, you find out. Um, and when we release free stuff, you find out. Um, and then, you know, again, when we release courses here in the not-too-distant future, um, we're going to make them available for 5 bucks a course for those who are kind of with our partners um, so that you all can get early access to courses. I think, you know the the courses kind of the going rate is around 20 to 30 dollars an hour for high quality video instruction um so it's going to be a deep discount but again all of this is really we really want to get to the point where we can do it subscription you know so so basically we we would love by the fall to be in a place where we've raised enough funds um to just say 15 bucks a, a month just eat your heart out. If if you want to watch 30 hours of interviews and courses on all these different subjects, you can just go crazy and enjoy as much as you want just just for one flat price. So we just got to show there's enough interest um, to be able to make that happen. Because, I mean, your, your challenge there is honestly quantity. Like yes. You put a huge premium on quality, and that's great, and you need that, but... To justify 15 bucks a month, which is about you know one and a half times Netflix, you got to be able to have enough material that it's worth each month me sticking around as your customer. So yeah, you plan to scale that to be able to keep getting this kind of quality, you know, in enough quantity. And like when you get there, what do you envision kind of your 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 you know new episodes or new courses per month? Like how 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 do you see that working out? Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to services like this, we're fortunate that a lot of other people already have them. And we were able to get a bunch of their kind of, you know, student information. And, you know, basically in a given calendar year, um, an average person for a service like this consumes like 50 to 80 hours of content. Um you know, so about – I guess that works out to be like six hours a month or so. You, you, you do have the overachievers who are going to, you know, consume every last drop no matter how how high the spigot's turned on. You're bingers, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but the average person um, is more like a, you know, six – six hours a month is what they're going to do because, you know, the big thing with these courses is – um, it's not like a conference where you can sit through 20 hours. They're really made for you to watch a couple segments and then go do. Sure. You know, so like with Meredith's sausage class, you're probably going to watch it once all the way through, and then you're going to go get some of the gear you need, and then you're going to come back and you're going to watch parts of it again as you make sausage. Hmm. Um, you, you know, so so – it's it's really different than consuming just kind of pure you know factoid information. The, the classes are really made for you um, to engage with the classes in a way that other forms of content you may not be doing. Uh, this is what I do love about like Skillshare, where a lot of their classes are similar, where you know you take a six minute a ten minute segment of a class, and then you might spend an hour doing what you learned in that segment and going back and rewatching it. Um, and, and so I think that's going to slow down 
um, you know, how much people consume because they're going to see things that really get, you know, to see things that are going to want them to get stuff done rather than just sit there and watch more. Um, but, but we, you know, in terms of scale, um, we have the first, you know, we have a really good plan for the first two, three hundred hours of total content. Because, um, you know, again, like you can start with basic sausage making and move on to basic lunch meats and then move on to smoking sausages and lunch meats. And that then becomes a class on, you know, building your own smoker. Um, so, you know, as, as you know, kind of in the homesteading sphere, it's like a choose your own adventure book. Um, you know, like you turn to page 54 and when you finish that page, there's eight different places you can go with a lot of subjects once you've done that. Um, and so that's another thing that really excites us is for early students, um, they're going to get to help us decide where we take the content production. Um, you know, so what, what are the classes you all want to see in 2019 and 2020? Well, you'll get to let us know this year, and, and we'll be able to begin to line all of that up um, so that, you know, you'll get to help decide where things are going to go and what we're going to be covering. But, but the thing that's on our side is, um, and the thing that makes it affordable is instead of, you know, hiring out, um, you know, freelancers to do super expensive video work, we're going to have our own in-house video production team. Um, you know, we're going to have dedicated videographers that all they do is, you know, is produce the courses for us. Um, and that's really what's going to allow us to produce scale without sacrificing quality. Very cool, man. So if, if people want to check it out again, the website? It's stetter.com. Very cool. And I think people should get on over there and check out what you're doing, register. And uh, I, I guess if people want to uh, to give you feedback, there's probably mechanisms for that at the site. you got uh, Facebook, YouTube, or you know, anything yep. like that over there? Yeah, well, we have a Facebook page. Um, so you can go and like our Facebook page and check out some of the shorts and other short videos we have. Um, you know, there's a contact form on the website. And, and, you know, another thing about our classes, and one of the reasons we do the revenue share with instructors is, um, you know, instructors are going to interact with students over the classes and stuff. You know, so like, um, you know, with my and, – and another thing we'll probably do with the classes as well is if a lot of students have a particular set of questions about a class, well, we're going to go back – to that instructor, and we're going to shoot additional content. Um, you know, so if a lot of if something wasn't clear enough, or if it's just very clear, there's more to this that we really want to add. Um, then this feedback we get from students is going to result in you, you know additional content being added onto the classes. And another thing is too, you know, like with some classes like plant propagation. You know, th there's some things that are really seasonally driven, um, you, you know, just in terms of, you know, it, it's a topic that spans all 365 days of the year. And so another one of our goals is with classes like that, we're going to go back and revisit those instructors multiple times throughout the year 
so that students don't get um, just a static point set of instruction on that topic, but they'll get to see, you know, what the entire year is like for, you know, this skill set, this production model, the, you know, this mushroom growing. Um, and so that's another thing we're really excited as ab about is to be able to put that kind of over time video instruction together that, that lets students see what it's like, you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall. Now, with everything that we talked about um, as far as qualifications and presenting ability, someone is interested in working with you guys. How would they best get in touch with you? Contact form on the site? Yeah, yeah, just use the contact form on the site because then it, it'll go in our support email and then I'll reach back out to them once I finish this manuscript, hopefully tomorrow. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hell, I, I really appreciate you being with us today, John. I think it's a good initiative, uh, and I think that there's always a hunger for more knowledge and, and real quality in getting it done. So thank you for being with us today. Great. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for your show. So I super appreciate getting to listen to you and your guests. Um, so, and I just... Always, always appreciate also your Facebook posts. <laughs> well, well, thanks, John. I appreciate having you on today. Great, thanks. All right, guys, so definitely get on over to Stetter.com and check out what they're doing there. Really cool stuff that John's doing. Uh, with that, I want to get, remind you guys, one of the ways you can help support this show is by uh, doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. All you got to do when you're going to buy something online, before you do, go to tspaz.com. See if you can buy it through T-Spaz. If you can do that, you support us, the work we do. You'll find all of my reviews on Amazon there, and I've got a great one for you today. Uh, this is something I've mentioned in the past, but I've never featured it. It's called gochujang. What is gochujang? Gochujang is, well, it's a fermented Korean chili paste. And uh, it's just a fantastic ingredient. I first learned about it from a chef named Judy Ju, um, who does a show called Korean Food Made Simple. She's not one of my favorite TV chefs by a long shot. Um, a little bit too happy all the time, never wavers, one of those types. And I, I don't really like everything she cooks, but her show did expose me to a lot of new methods and ingredients. And one of those was gochujang. It's probably the biggest win out of watching her show. I'll tell you what, we've done a lot of stuff with it, but I'm going to give you a really simple thing to do with it. It's something I've never seen anybody else do. You've heard of sriracha mayo. A little bit of sriracha, mix it with some mayo, right? Uh, you may have heard of uh, chipotle mayo, same thing. How about this, gochujang mayo? Oh, my God. Guys, it's better than either of the two aforementioned things. And we like to do it, and we don't eat a lot of carbs. Once in a while, we'll fry some of these uh, Japanese uh, purple sweet potatoes. We'll cut them like steak fries and get a wok. Best way to deep fry vegetables is in a wok because you use less oil, and you get a really intense uh, fry really fast. So you throw them in. You fry them till they're almost done. You take them out, drain them on paper towel. Wait till they cool about, you know, to where you would, you, they were not real screaming hot anymore. Put them back in for a few minutes to finish them. They get all puffy. You stack them on your plate, little log cabin pile for presentation. Put a little bit of this uh, gochujang mayo on the side. Wow. I've also been making some amazing, amazing uh, Asian meatballs with it. And I've been doing burgers with it too. Just a little bit of this and some black bean taste, salt, pepper, and garlic in a burger. Uh, man, and then you take some of that gochujang mayo on top of that burger. Man, it's just fantastic. I think you'll really enjoy this stuff. And let me give you a, kind of a, a cool announcement. Uh, my buddy David, who I mentioned on the show quite a bit, he comes over about twice a month, I would say, on average. 
and we just gorge on meat, especially game and stuff. So Starkey doesn't eat much of it. Um, so when I have a friend over, you know, we'll take three or four things out and just, just to start at 12 o'clock in the uh, afternoon and we'll eat till dark until he goes home with all these different things. We come up with amazing things. We drink copious amounts of adult beverages. Don't forget what we did. And we've also realized we both are like food geeks and we like food shows. And most food cooking shows suck. So we decided, why don't we do a cooking show? Yep, Jack and David are going to do a cooking show, and we're going to call it Biltong for Breakfast. We launched the website yesterday. It's kind of very amateurish right now, just a starting point. But we're going to start videoing this stuff and putting out probably a show a week on YouTube. It'll be all featured on the website. We'll be providing recipes, all that good stuff, just a fun project you can be part of. You can find out more at what? Biltongforbreakfast.com. That brings us to our song of the day. I'm going to be brief. Again, I'm sick. I had to fight to get through today's show, and I wish I was on an island somewhere. So I have another Jimmy Buffett song for you today. This song is called Coast of Marseille. It's about lost and forgotten love. But it's also about a beautiful place to be, and it's one of the prettiest songs I think you'll ever hear. It's also one of those songs most people don't know about it uh, if you don't really love Jimmy Buffett. You know, you know the whole uh, get junk and, you know, that song and, you know, the Cheeseburger in Paradise and Margaritaville. Buffett has some amazing music. This is an amazing song. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope I did a good job for you today in spite of my voice. Uh, this, uh, this child crud, child plague, or airplane plague, I'm not sure which, uh, has really kind of gotten to me today. So here we go. Jimmy Buffett, Coast of Marseille. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.
spent all the money I'd save Still did not get over you No, I still did not get over you 